Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Balanced Black Girl. I hope you are feeling calm, well-rested, centered, at peace. And even if you're not, that's okay. I hope that today's episode can help you get there. So it's currently December 2021, and I'm actually taking a bit of a sabbatical. I'm taking a little bit of time off to rest and recharge before we jump into the new year. So we actually do not have any more new episodes of Balanced Black Girl coming out until January. However, I wanted to share some of my favorite conversations that we've had on the podcast just to continue feeding your soul and giving you great content in case you missed it the first time these episodes were released, or if you listened to them when they were released and you love them and you're ready to listen to them again, they're here for you. So we're starting with today's episode, which is one of my personal favorites, Human Design 101 with Jazz of Moon. So this episode was originally released in 2020 when I was first beginning to learn about human design. I had started to take an interest in it. I'd really wanted to bring an expert in human design on the podcast. I wasn't sure which guest I wanted to have. I was kind of putting feelers out there. I was asking around on social media, you know, who are some black women human design guides that you know? I would love to get some recommendations. Hadn't really found anybody. And then Just a few days later, after I'd put the call out on my Instagram account, the Balanced Black Girl Instagram account was tagged by Jazz, who was looking for uh, podcast recommendations. She was looking for podcasts about wellness and had tagged Balanced Black Girl because it had been recommended to her. And as soon as I looked over her profile and I checked out her work, I was like, this is exactly who I'm looking for. This is who I want to learn human design from. And before we sat down to record this interview, uh, Jazz sat down with me to go through my human design chart, which was such a transformative experience. Understanding my human design has really, really changed my life in so many ways. It has changed how I approach work. Now I understand how my energy works. I understand why certain things light me up or why I maybe struggle with other things that may seem easy for other people, but are difficult for me and vice versa. And this episode really gets into what human design is, how you can understand your design, and just some of the basics around the different areas of our lives that human design can impact. So when we come back in January, we're going to be focusing on reframing the reset, kind of that back to basics wellness content. And a lot of getting back to basics and reframing that reset is understanding who you are and where you're coming from. And human design can be an incredible tool to do that. So if you do not yet know your human design type, I recommend just going online looking it up, you use it using your birthday, you know, kind of your same birth chart information, your birthday, time of birth, city of birth, maybe find your human design type. I recommend doing that and then come back to this episode and listen to the explanations from Jazz about the different human design types and uh, how they can play a role in our lives. We also talk about self-care for different human design types. Honestly, this is an episode that I come back to a lot (laughs) to recenter and learn from. And also the trajectory that Jazz has taken 
since this episode came out has just been incredible. Like her life has blossomed in so many beautiful ways and just watching her and, and how she lives and work works and exists in the world has been so beautiful to see. So I highly recommend giving her a follow, checking out her work. And I hope that you enjoy this episode of Human Design 101. Jasmine, welcome to the show. I am so, so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, so our audience may not know, this is our second conversation that we've had this week. Earlier this week, you and I met um, because you did a human design chart reading for me, which was incredible. Excited to chat again. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I know. I'm so excited that we got to talk earlier. We kind of you know, have this vibe going on. So I think it'll be really comfortable to really dig deep because this is a really deep, (laughs) a deep kind of spiritual thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you already know me very well. (laughs) Better than I knew myself a couple days ago. That's for sure. (laughs) But first, I would love for our audience to get to know you a little bit better, a little bit more about your background and how your story began. Yeah, for sure. So My name is Jasmine and I am 30. I just turned 30 this year. And my background is my parents are Nigerian. So I grew up in a very, I guess you could say strict household. I was born in California and I moved back and forth from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I just kind of say that I'm from Maryland because it's just a lot easier than to tell the story of like childhood moving back and forth. So I went to high school on the East Coast and I went to college on the East Coast. I went to Temple University. And then after that, I traveled to London and then I got my master's in fashion and advertising. And so I thought I wanted to kind of work in that world for a while um, in the advertising world, more on the creative design side of things. That's where I had my undergraduate from was also in advertising. So I took a bunch of jobs, freelance jobs to designing websites and doing logos for people and friends and things like that. And then I moved back home after graduating from London College of Fashion. And I was thinking that I would go straight from that into you know, dream job, moving to New York, the whole thing. And that didn't work out. So I ended up bartending for like two years. At the same time, I started this business called Freak Fit, where I was designing 100% organic cotton socks. So I was doing that while I was bartending and I was completely unfulfilled. Like I was trying to make things happen. I was really trying to force things to happen and nothing was in flow. Like I could feel that the universe was telling me to move into a different direction. But I was like, I've already invested all this time, all these years, all my focus in this one thing. Like there's no way that I'm going to pivot into something else. I think I was like 23, 24 at this time. So, you know, coming right out of college, I'm thinking there's no way that anything else can happen for me. So I'm going to make it work. So I keep applying to jobs. I think I applied to probably 300 job got rejected from every single one of them so that was a huge ego crush and I kind of just fell into this deep dark melancholic 
slash depressive state where I just felt like what was the point of, you know, following all the rules of what society said and still ending up kind of on the other side of this, not being able to pay back student loans, not being able to pay my bills, living at my mom's house. And so that was just such a like rebellious, I just kind of felt very not taken care of and not supported by the universe. So long story short to that, I ended up going to a party one night and that's where I met my husband and we got married within eight months of meeting that night on July 4th. And then a month later, we moved to Thailand for a year and then we got pregnant in Thailand, came back to America, had our son on a farm in Tennessee and then moved to California. And then that's where we were for a while until we had our daughter. And we've just been kind of like traveling all over the place, trying to find a home that feels good for us. So that's kind of like the long slash short end of it all. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, there are so many aspects of your story that I felt like I could relate to that I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to as well. I was specifically thinking about when you were talking about your time kind of coming fresh out of college, figuring out what was next and in your early 20s thinking, well, I've already invested so much time like this is it. And gosh, I mean, I don't know anybody who didn't feel that way at that time. And now being a little bit older, I mean, you and I are the same age, you look back on it, and you're like, Oh, my gosh, when you're 23, that's everything is just starting. But at that time, when you're in it, it feels like everything is ending. No, I know. It literally, I mean, that's what it did because it felt like all my friends were getting the jobs that they wanted or the jobs that they went to school for. I don't know if they were happy or not, but they had a job. That was like the vision. That was the goal. When you graduate from college, you know, you get a job and you get a job in your field. And it felt like a failing moment for me. And at that point, I had no idea what, I mean, I knew what astrology was, but I had no idea how intrinsically it made up who we were and that I was actually meant to fail to success. Like I I had no idea. And looking back, I'm just thinking like, man, if I could go back and tell myself like this failure is actually you moving in the right direction, I probably would have saved so many sleepless and crying nights. But you know, it's all, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Oh, but I love that, that failure is directing you to success. That's beautiful. And that's actually the perfect segue. So I would love to learn a little bit more about when you did start understanding tools like astrology, like human design, how were you introduced to those tools? And what impact did that have on your life? For sure. I mean, I've always kind of been interested in things I guess you could say not of this world. My moon sign is in Pisces. So it's a very watery out there kind of in the abyss world. And so I just remember being really young and having a very vivid imagination of what life would look like in a place other than earth. I'm sure maybe all kids thought of that or maybe not. No kids thought of that. But I know I always like dreamt of like kind of alien things, otherworldly things. I love sci-fi movies. So that's where my love for sci-fi came in. And so probably around high school, I learned what astrology was, but I only learned what the sun signs were, right? So I would read the horoscopes at the back of the fashion magazines and kind of just, you know, play around and see how I connected to those things. But I kind of always kept it in the back of my mind because I grew up in not I wouldn't say a religious household, but it was definitely Christian slash Catholic. Mm -hmm. So all the astrology-ish type of things were very demonized, not really talked about. I always felt like I was doing things in secret. I would probably say consciously started devoting myself to learning more about myself right around the time that my husband and I got engaged. I would just sit 
for hours just kind of journaling my thoughts out, just kind of brain dumping into my journal. And then I would go back and read it and just think like there's something inside of me that I'm really afraid to share with other people. It just felt like the journal was real me and the person moving in and out of the world was not the real me. So I was like, okay, there's a disconnection here. I have to figure out how to kind of return back to this self and then be confident enough to share this self with, first of all, the people in my community and then the world. I think that's kind of what we all struggle with is like showing people our true and our real selves. Yeah, so then when we went to Thailand, major Buddhist country. So we got the first hand, I guess, download on all of the practices. And when we got a chance to really dig deep into what truly Buddhism is, spent five days at a silent retreat and that completely changed my life. And that was December 2015 until January 2016. And we were silent for that entire time. And it absolutely changed my life. I just knew without a shadow of a doubt, there was something that I had to discover in the mystery. And it and it didn't only have to come from a religion, from one religion. So that really awakened me to this pursuit of where I was just really open. And the universe just kind of was bringing things into my existence. I met people. I started reading books. I think I posted a book that I was reading called The Law of One. And it's a channel book by a group of friends. And they're basically just talking about evolution of humanity and peace on earth. And I think I posted it on Instagram. And someone asked me what it was. Was it by the same man that channeled human design? And I was like, oh, I have no idea what human design is. But no, it's not. And that was the ping that kind of led me to human design. Because the name of the man that channeled human design, his name is Ra. And the author of the book was also raw. So I just thought that that was the universe kind of like, okay, you need to move in this direction now. So yeah, so that's how I got here. Goodness. Okay. More that I want to dive into with this as well. I'm really curious about your experience with the silent retreat because I think the idea of being in silence kind of with yourself with your own thoughts is really scary for a lot of people. How did you feel going into that experience and how did that kind of relate to how you felt after the experience? I would completely agree with you. I think before going in, I completely overshot it. Like my ego was like, oh yeah, this is going to be so easy. We're going to just, you know, coast and quote unquote meditate for this amount of time. The first night I got there, I literally thought I was going crazy. I mean, we're in separate cooties, like the women and the men are on separate sides of this land. And each person is in their individual hut. And it comes with, some of them came with ACs and a refrigerator. Like my husband didn't have AC or refrigerator, mine did. Comes with a shower and a bed and a broom. And that was it. And you are literally, like your food is brought to you. You can't, you're not really supposed to leave your cootie. You can walk around the hut that you're staying in, but that's about it. And so I don't think that my mind was prepared to stay still. I just wanted to run away from everything. Like the first two to three days were really, really, really hard because, I mean, you have nightmares, right? Because it's only you. Subconscious is starting to bring out all these things that you've been repressing your entire life. Things that I didn't even remember that happened to me. They start coming out in your dreams. And so I just kept a journal and that's one of my most prized possessions is that journal because I got so many messages about myself, about my purpose, about the names of my kids. 
the amount of kids that I was going to have and their names, their first and their middle names, just strange, you know, what people would call strange things. When you finally take the power back from your mind, it's like the floodgates of your true soul come out. That can only happen when you're alone. It really can only happen when you're alone. And that was the greatest gift that that trip taught me was that I came into this world by myself and I'm going to leave by myself. And during my time here, I have to really rely on trusting myself and trusting the voice within. Gosh, that's such a powerful lesson. When you are truly just there with yourself, with your mind, you can't hide behind busy or distractions or anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the greatest gift that I think anyone can give themselves, even if it's three minutes, three minutes or three months, it doesn't really matter, you know, because the mind doesn't know what time is. So just taking that little bit of time to really discover who you are, those things really add up. Absolutely. So I would love to talk more about just steps that we can take to discover who we are and what that process can look like. And I know one of the ways that you really do that or the ways you really help people with that is through human design. So for those who are not familiar with human design, I'd love to maybe start off just getting some basic education from you about what is human design? If someone's never heard of it, how would you explain it? Right. That's perfect. So human design is a synthesis of ancient and modern wisdom. And so these these wisdoms weave together astrology, which a lot of people know, the I Ching, which maybe not so many people know, the Kabbalah, the chakra system, and quantum physics. And so it tells the story of how all of these energies coexist together and how you are meant to coexist with these energies based on your time of birth, date of birth, and place of birth. So very similar to astrology. And it's basically meant to be your personal manual. You know how everyone always says, oh, I wish you know kids came with the manual. Well, we all come with a manual, our, our own individual energetic blueprint makeup that's supposed to really guide us on our time here on Earth. And it was channeled in 1987 by a man named Robert Alan Krakowin. And so he had this kind of mystical eight day experience where he heard a voice and it just kind of opened this portal and it allowed this information of human design to come into material form. So he was basically scribing for eight days. And then after this mystical experience, he changed his name to Ra, Ra Uruhu. And that was back in 1987. And it's honestly one of the most mind-blowing systems I've ever discovered. Just in the simple knowing of your, your type and your authority can get you to your divine purpose. Like there's so many layers, but if you just only know a few things about yourself, your intuition will start blossoming and you'll just be finding yourself in the right place at the right time, surrounded with the right people. And so when you pull your chart, you know, it's really meant to tell you your strengths, your talents, your wisdoms, what you're here to learn, um, your fears, how to overcome those things, where you might have taken in conditioning and your divine destiny and your purpose here on earth. So it's it's truly mind-blowing. It really is. I mean, I, I think I was introduced to human design a couple of years ago by a friend who said, oh, you know, you like astrology, you might like this, figure out what your type is. And so I 
took like a quiz online and got my type and then didn't really think much of it until recently, just the topic kind of kept recirculating. And I thought, okay, this is something I really need to dive more into and learn about and pay attention to. And and that's kind of how we got connected. Because I think I just, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, I firmly believe that. And just learning how layered and in depth it is has just been such a mind blowing experience for me. It really is. And even in our in our session, we didn't even, you know, get to I mean, we could probably have 10 sessions and still be on like the first layer of things. It just really, really, it really gets down deep. And I am someone that is very skeptical. And every single time I do a session with someone or do a soul map with for someone, they always write back and let me know that like their mind is completely blown. So I'm just like, okay, this must work. I have not met anyone yet who has not resonated with what they've, you know, kind of found out about themselves. Totally. Oh my gosh. It's so true. So we mentioned the human design types, the energy types. Can you give us just a brief synopsis of what those are? There are four energy types and the energy types talk more about your auric energy and less about your personality. I think that's kind of where people get a little bit tripped up because they'll read it and they'll say, oh, I'm a manifester. I don't really feel like a manifester. And that's just because it's more so talking about your auric energy and the other things in your chart are really talking about your personality. So like I said, there are four energy types. So you have your manifestors, your generators and manifesting generators. Those fall into the same group. Then you have your projectors and then you have your reflectors. And I can go through each of those ones and describe a little bit about them. So manifestors make up about 9% of our population. And these people are the initiators of society. They are the ones that are coming in with like these innovative, creative, amazing, very Uranus energy ideas. And their aura is very repelling. And it's not meant to offend anyone. It's really just to keep them in alignment with their ideas, with the ideas that they're here to bring into existence. So without this repelling aura, they can easily kind of get mixed up with other people's opinions of them and what people think of them. And they're really not here to really give a shit about what other people think. They're here to be the people that break down barriers and walls so that a society can move forward. So think of someone like Frida Kahlo. She's a manifester. Someone that totally changed the way we look at art and how we look at how art depicts life and vice versa. And for each of the types, there is something called a strategy. And the strategy just lets you know that you're in the right place at the right time. And so for manifestors, their strategy kind of compensates for their coldness and their aura. And they're meant to inform other people so that in a way, it kind of invites people into their auric space, kind of lets people know like, hey, I'm going to do this idea. If you want to join me, fine. If not, that's cool too. Like when they're informing, they're not really asking for permission. Manifestors are not here to ask for permission. They're really here to just stay in their lane and do their thing. When they're in alignment with who they are, they are here to feel a deep resonance of peace. And when they're kind of off track, they feel really angry. So that's a little bit about manifestors. And then the next group is generators. And these two types, manifesting generators and generators, they're all in one group and they make up about 70% of our population. So that's a lot of people that are generators and manifesting generators. And these people are what is called like the doers or the builders. 
they just have this kind of sacral life force energy to get things done. They're able to take a creative idea and make it into a reality. And their aura is very enveloping. They magnetize things to them in life. And I love talking to generators and manifesting generators because these people have really, well, all of us, these people especially have really been conditioned to be initiators, to be manifestors. Like the world tells us that if we want to get something done, we should go out and make it happen. And for generators and manifesting generators, we're supposed to lean back and allow the universe to bring things to us so that we can have a response to if we want to do it or if we don't want to do it. And when I found this out, honestly, it just gave me so much ease because I have been trying my entire life to make things happen because that's what society says, that if you're not making things happen, you're lazy or you're this or you're that. And for generators as the builders, it allows our energy to only be used for things that truly, truly light our soul on fire. So if all manifesting generators and generators can just lean back and allow the universe to bring them things to respond to instead of trying to initiate things, they're meant to feel deep sense of satisfaction. If they're not in alignment, they're going to be incredibly frustrated. So think of someone like Oprah, who has her hands in so many things. I feel like she is the perfect example of a generator that just has the creative ability to just create and build and build an empire. So that's a perfect example for a generator and manifesting generator. Now, the small difference between generators and manifesting generators is that manifesting generators carry also the power to initiate. They have to go through several steps of their strategy in order to initiate. So for generators, their strategy is waiting to respond and manifesting generators are also meant to wait to respond, but they have to kind of follow visualizing, waiting for their body, and then they can inform other people that are going to be affected by it. So their whole thing is just adding just a couple more steps because they tend to move very quickly and they can skip steps. So this strategy allows them to kind of take their time and make sure that nothing gets skipped over. And then the third energetic type are called projectors. And these people make up about 20% of our population or of our society. And these are the guide. They are here to understand systems and patterns and really understand how we as humans kind of work. Their aura is very penetrating. Whenever you meet a projector, they're kind of like very scorpionic, intense intensive like looking and peering into your soul so they're very focused on like how can this other person be better and how are they intrinsically created their specific strategy type is they have to wait to be invited unless they can end up feeling very bitter because of rejection because even though they know the right way to make things better no one wants a projector always telling them that they're wrong right that makes them seem very critical so if they wait to be invited then it's like a floodgates of truth and wisdom is able to be poured out of them to really help better our society and guide us into a newer and better way of existing. And a perfect projector is Barack Obama, someone that really understands waiting to be invited into creating solutions around problems that we have in society. And then the fourth 
energetic type are called reflectors. And these people are only about 1% of our society. I think I've only met one reflector in my entire life. And they are here to reflect back to us the state of our society. Their aura is also kind of similar to a manifestor's where it's kind of repelling, but they're also kind of gliding around other people's auras and sampling the energy. And then they mirror that energy and amplify it back to everyone else. So I always say that a reflector is like the perfect person that would be the executive to the CEO. They know how best to structure the company. They know how best to provide solutions for the company. And they're here to really just mirror back the state of our humanity and say like, hey, you guys, these things are working and these things are not working. And then kind of passing that message back up to the manifestors who are here to ideate and and kind of break down the walls. And for reflectors, their strategy is to wait a lunar cycle, which is 28 days to kind of like get clarity on how they should make their next steps for their decision. And I always think of Dostoevsky, and he's a writer. And so all the books that he ever wrote about was about the human psychology of our existence on a political, economic, spiritual existence. So he was literally just reflecting back the state of humanity at the time in which he wrote. Or a more famous reflector would be someone like Sandra Bullock. So yeah, so those are the four types. Oh my gosh. So uh, that was like just the perfect amount of information for each because I felt like I had only really learned about my own type and didn't know, you know, much about the others. And so that was like the perfect amount of information. I know while you were talking about the generators and manifesting generators, because I learned that I'm a manifesting generator, it the part that really, really stuck out to me when you were talking the description just now, and when we talked earlier was about allowing space for things to come to you and not needing to make everything happen. And after we had our reading the other day, I was talking to my roommate and I was sharing with her, I realized every either major event or really just wonderful blessing that has happened in my life when I look at it are things that just came to me. None of it are things that I made happen or that I, if anything, I I suffocated things by trying to make them happen. But all of like the goodness that I can recall are things that just appeared. Oh my gosh, I just got chills. Yes, I would completely, completely agree with you. Absolutely. If we're living in our design, honestly, like we're meant to have heaven on earth. And I feel like that's really why human design found me is just because of the way that I was created and the purpose that I was here to kind of unearth and unleash into the world like I don't necessarily know if I could have done it without the material aspect of human design because our mind loves to categorize things that's just kind of the way that we learn so if there is a typing system that allows us to really understand who we are on a very like a very stars and dust way I feel like the mind can finally give us like the soul some space to just be and not have to just do 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 all the time. And that's why manifestors are only 9% of the population because only 9% of life needs to be initiated. The rest of it, the universe will just take care of. Absolutely. And understanding that flow. 
Exactly. It's so helpful. So I would love to talk a little bit more about kind of human design charts, human design charts and how they differ from something like a birth chart. So I think a lot of people, especially now, are familiar with what our birth charts are because they are more readily available. There's tons of websites and apps where you can, you know, plug in your birth date, time of birth, place of birth and and get your birth chart in terms of, of each particular planet and and what house you have in each planet. How does your human design chart differ from that? So your human design chart is literally astrology, right? Like like your natal chart that you were just describing. So much more. Like when you pull up your chart, it just looks like a bunch of jargon. Shapes that are, you know, some of them are colored in, some of them are white. You have lines running through them. Then you have like a red side and the black side. And all those things are just very small pieces of your puzzle, of your entire puzzle. So I always just tell people to focus on the parts that are in bold, depending on where you get your chart from. I always pull the ones that I work with up on Jovian Archive, just they're the cleanest. They have all the information in different centers. And I just love the the simplicity of it. But I always tell people to just really focus on getting to know your type, the strategy for that type, your authority and your profile. If you just kind of like work on those four things, you're going to unearth so many things that you can't really unearth with just an astrology chart because astrology is just kind of clocking the celestial bodies and human design is also clocking in the celestial bodies but something so much more that hasn't really been tangibly proven it's like a lot of things in human design are slowly being proven by science i mean this came out in 1987 and we're in 2020 and so many things that raw channeled are just now kind of being proven to be correct like how our personality our profile is 70 percent of the neutrinos coming in from the sun and neutrinos are just these little particles that send information into our bodies from the light stream of our universe not to get too like scientific over here but that has just been proven. So just little things like that, that can't really be duplicated in just a natal chart. I I always tell people like a natal chart is the perfect place to start because human design can absolutely be overwhelming if you're trying to get to the micro without starting at the macro. But when you are feeling more comfortable with your natal chart, you know your sun, moon, and rising, you know your north node, you know a little bit of your planets and how they're talking to other aspects in your chart and how you're kind of moving around those energies in your reality, in your real life, then I would recommend you to dive into your human design chart because human design really gives you the details of what your astrology chart is saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I know we had some listeners say, you know, I've heard of human design or I've seen my chart, but it's confusing. How do I make it simpler? And I think that that's a great place to start. Let's say someone follows that advice. They then have their type, their strategy, their authority and profile. What do they do with that information? How can we start applying that to our lives? So the energy types, like I said, are just your auric field. So when you kind of understand how your auric field, which literally can take up the space of a room, how it's sending information to other people in that same room, you start to be aware of who feels good around you and who doesn't feel good. I mean, I feel like we already kind of have this lingo where we say good vibes or bad vibes. That's basically your energy type. Your energy type is your feelers. It allows you to kind of feel out who and what are giving you good vibes and who and what are not giving you good vibes. So if you really lean into the 
archetypes of each energetic type and learn where they're showing up in your life, you can really start kind of testing it because human design is just an experiment. It's actually called the human design experiment. And you're meant to just kind of play with it. So, you know, as a generator, if I am walking into the room and I'm really lit up, like I'm in my purpose, I feel completely aligned, I'm going to attract a lot of magnetic experiences and people to me. If I walk into a room and I just had a fight with my husband or my kids or whatever, I am going to attract whatever it is that that feeling is. Like the types are very basic on that energetic level. Then when we move to the strategy, like I said, it just allows you to know if you're in the right place at the right time. So I'm just going to keep using generators. So as a generator, my strategy is waiting to respond. Now, that doesn't mean like we're just literally just waiting around, like we're always responding. Every breath is a response for a generator. When things come into our auric field, all that strategy is kind of doing is allowing for the intelligence of our body to catch up with the reality of what's going on. So I have a sacral authority and authority is just what you follow to make the decision that's correct for you. So my sacral authority is in my sacral chakra. For me, it feels like flutters of butterflies or like nauseous, queasy feeling. For other people, it could be an expansion or a contraction. I know some people who have their throat connected to their sacral and for them, it's like a uh-huh, uh-uh, or hell no, or hell yes, like a verbal. I don't really seem to get the verbals. I just get like my body either closes down like a hermit or it expands like a sunflower if it's really good for me. And so following that strategy of waiting to respond allows my body to move in this way that I can actually respond to the thing that's coming into my environment. Someone wants to take me out to dinner and, you know, the person I haven't really been vibing with and they ask me, you know, do you want to go out to dinner? It's correct for me as a generator to wait for my body to give me that physical, visceral response, right? And that's the part that we as humans have bypassed. We've learned to bypass because before, you know, when we didn't have all this technology, our bodies were our technology. Our bodies was what was allowing us to make decisions that would keep us alive or in safe or endangered places. But now that we have so many different forms of technology kind of doing that for us, that awareness of tapping into the intelligence of our body has really gone out the window. And I feel like human design allows us to tap back into the intelligence of our bodies because our minds are not the source of where we make decisions from. Our mind can only categorize and distinguish between things, but it can't really make a decision that is correct for our soul. And then your profile. So after you kind of like practice with all of that, and it's very simple, like you can just practice with small things, really small things like do I want tea or do I want water? Do I want juice or do I want a smoothie? And then for manifestors, they're here to really inform. So that's their strategy. So for them, like they have an idea instead of running out the gate to do it. Let me talk to someone about this. You're not asking for permission. You're just sharing. So once you kind of have spent time really getting to know yourself, and this is the aloneness of it, this is the really like integration part of it, then your profile allows you to kind of stylize your approach to life. And there's 12 profiles and we each have one and it's made up of two numbers, your conscious and your unconscious. And so these two numbers together kind of tell the story of your personal style in how you approach life. And I love the profile. I think it's so underrated. I don't think enough people talk about it because it's also how we really uncover our purpose here. I feel like it's the filter in which we move through the world that allows us to really find our purpose and why we're meant to be here. And those four things, oh my gosh, those four things like will take you very, very, very far. Like the rest of it, 
is just fun to like start integrating and kind of unlocking more pieces to the puzzle. But you could literally spend seven years on those four things deconditioning and returning back to yourself and it would be incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, even just referencing, like I have the soul map that you created in front of me, just referencing those four pieces. There's so much helpful information there that they're incredible tools for sure. So I'm curious, how can our energy type and kind of the contents of our human design chart impact how we approach our well-being, right? Like do different energy types benefit from taking a different approach to fitness or to mindfulness? And what does that look like? Absolutely. That is a great question because that actually leads to this thing in human design called not self theme. And and I touched on it a little bit earlier. Manifestors are meant to feel peace, but their not self is anger. And generators are meant to feel satisfaction. Their not self is frustration. Projectors are meant to feel success. Their not self is bitterness. And reflectors are meant to feel surprise. And their not self is disappointment. And those are kind of the I guess you could say like GPS monitors that show us where and when we're out of place. So so you said like physical health, for example. So for generators and manifesting generators, we have so much life force energy that we tend to overcommit and overshoot and say yes to things even though we really don't want to. And that leads to a lot of burnout, physical, mental, spiritual, adrenal burnout. And in order to kind of like counterbalance that, we're meant to move our bodies every single day and really go to sleep when we're completely exhausted and ready to recharge and then wake up fully charged and ready to start the next day. For manifestors, they don't have this sacral energy. None of the other types, except for generators and manifesting generators, they don't have this sacral life force energy. So for them, they're really getting their life force energy from us. They're really kind of tapping into our well and making the things that they want to do throughout the day happen. For the non-sacral energy types, which are the manifestors, projectors, and reflectors, they really need to understand their bodies and they really need to tune into the health and wellness of their bodies. That's not to say that we all don't, but those three especially are the ones that are very open to the conditioning of just work, 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 trying to get things done, and then they end up being burnt out. I mean, there's like a little joke in human design that says like projectors are only supposed to work two to three hours a day. And it's true because for their type, the way that they give off their energy is really in spurts. Like it just comes and then it goes. And so for a projector working a nine to five job, they're going to feel really burnt out because they're trying to give eight hours of energy to something that they really only have two to three or two to four hours of energy for. And when we're not listening to our bodies and we're just kind of going with the flow of what society is saying, it really leads to a lot of illness. And I know you and I talked about this during our session that like there are certain areas in your chart where you can look that will tell you if you don't watch it, like you're going to end up with immune issues and really kind of destroying the natural functionality and intelligence of your bodies. So we really, really have to kind of find a way to integrate what we're learning in human design into our real life. And that's why I am so focused on like the PHS, which is your personal health system in human design. And that really tells us how each of our individual bodies are meant to 
show up physically in the world, like what we're meant to eat, the best environment, how we're meant to sleep, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is so helpful because I think, and I, I've probably been guilty of this as well, so much of the advice that we get is so one size fits all. And we hear so many blanket statements when it comes to wellness advice, but each of us is so different. That there's no way any one approach works for everybody. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and I'm personally plant-based, but I just never resonated with the way that vegans or plant-based eaters kind of spread the message because not everyone, you know, is really kind of cut out to eat a certain way. And that's not to say that we all can't be plant-based or vegetarians, but we really have to give space for other people to figure out what is correct for their body. And I, I really use that word correct intentionally. I don't say right or wrong because in human design, there are no rights and wrongs. There's only what is correct for you and what is correct for your type. Right. Food is such it's such a, a heavy, heavy conditioning agent within our society. And it's really not meant to be. It's just meant for our bodies to intake information about the environment that we're in and really allow our bodies to move into the highest potential that it can be. So, yeah, I think that's such a great point that you bring up about really like honing in into how this can be used for not just your spiritual advancement or expansion, but your physical one, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I mean, when I was going through my information, I had a lot of aha moments and the parts about sleep specifically were super interesting. And, and at least for, for my situation, I felt like it resonated a lot. And so it just it was a reminder of how different we all are and, and what's best for one person is not necessarily best for the next. Yes, absolutely. I mean, me and my husband are both generators, but our kids are projector and manifester. Mm. And they are non-sacral energy types, meaning that they don't really make their own life force energy. And they need a for real bedtime. My son, as a projector, he takes like three naps a day. He gets tired really easily. Like he'll, you know, put out so much energy and then he'll be like, oh, mommy, I, I need to take a nap. I'm like, okay, yes, for sure. You need to go take a nap. Whereas our manifester, it's like she can just go and go and go and go and go and she's just like, get out of my way. And like if as parents we didn't know this, like our parents disciplined us for doing things that my kids are free to do. And that's like a whole nother conversation between parents and kids, human design dynamics, which is so interesting once you get into this. And if you have kids or just personal relationships with people around you. But yeah, the sleep factor is one of the most touchy kind of subjects in human design because Ra always says that we are actually meant to sleep alone and not in the auric fields of other people, which is really touchy, especially in our society because it's like, oh, you don't sleep in the same bed? Like, you must not love each other, that kind of thing. So that's like a whole conditioning agent around sleep. But, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> I think that there is so much societal conditioning with so many areas of life, which I won't go on a on a full tangent about that, that when we start to learn more about ourselves and what works best for us, it's I think it's okay to step outside of some of that conditioning. Absolutely. It's so correct for us to step out of that conditioning. And it, I think it empowers other people to see that there's something different, right? Like, it's, like we're not all supposed to be the same. If we were, we would all look the same and talk the same and eat the same. And right now we're all like fighting for a freedom to be different when we're naturally supposed to be different. 
we touched on this a little bit when you were talking about your family and just the different energy types amongst your kids. I'm curious how different energy types can kind of work together when it comes to relationships, be it friendships, family, romantic relationships. You know, do we look at the energy types of those around us in terms of compatibility? Does it work that way or is it more so information to kind of best understand how to share space with that person? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great question. And I think it's both of them. I, I don't think it has to be either or. I think we can absolutely look at at charts and see the compatibility romantically. We can look at charts and see the compatibility between like friendship and just work relationships. I think it's also so powerful, especially as we're starting to grow more conscious businesses for partners and business owners to understand how they are meant to show up in their business. The same thing for family and the same thing for parents and kids and all that stuff. It's just giving our power back to us about being aware of who we are and how we take up space in the world. Because if we understand the other as much as we understand ourselves, there's a level of compassion that really comes in after we kind of sit in that alone space and say, oh, okay, this is who I am. This is the kind of space that I take up. For example, as a manifester, my daughter doesn't like really saying hi to people. She doesn't feel she needs to. And I could easily be the parent that's like, no, babe, you need to say hi, you know, like you need to be quote unquote respectful. But I'm not honoring who she is as a manifester, which is she has a very repelling aura. So she knows right away who is for her and who's not. And I might be so caught up in my conditioning of, oh, I want this other person to think that I'm a good parent that teaches my child respect for other people. And I'm forcing her to do something that's not correct for her type. Do you know what I mean? Allow them to not grow up with the same conditioning that I grew up with. And that's really the whole goal as we evolve as humans on this one planet, like to realize that our uniqueness is actually what is making us whole. Our uniqueness is actually what is allowing us to become aware of the fact that we are all one and we're all dipping into the same pot and all of the creativity and all of our curiosities and all of our, all the things that make us special are all coming from this same well, but we're just kind of expressing it differently. And if we know that there's so many forms of expression, we wouldn't be fearful about a manifestation showing up in a way like Frida Kahlo or a generator showing up in a way like Oprah. We would just accept it. It would just be this level of deep understanding and compassion that would allow us to evolve into these like super conscious beings where we don't have war, we don't have poverty, we don't have hunger. Simple, simple things that, that we have the ability to take away that we're choosing not to because we simply just don't understand the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I would think that it would make the journey back to ourselves a lot less difficult. We would have a lot less deprogramming to do from our childhoods to come back to ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's like the greatest tool that human design that you can use human design for is like a map to return back to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This is just all so good. So I would love to transition a bit to talk to you about purpose. 
um, because I know that this is something that you talk about quite a bit on your platform. Purpose, I think, is one of those things that's really challenging for a lot of people. I feel like I hear conversations all the time about purpose and about people struggling to find their purpose. And I would love to kind of get your thoughts on is purpose something that we need to discover? Is it something that is already within us that we come back to? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, purpose is literally the reason why I, I'm here. Like, I, it's the thing I'm most passionate about because I truly believe that when each of us align with our purpose, we're not going to be worried about what anyone else thinks about us or what anyone else is doing. And we're truly going to be able to harness this thought or this belief that heaven can exist on earth. And yeah, you're right. I truly do believe that each of us are carrying within us this seed of our purpose. And our job is to just decondition so that we can be in a receiving mode to receive our purpose. And that's the big thing. Like, I don't think a lot of people, I, I don't think the problem is that a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. I think they just don't know themselves and they don't trust themselves because there isn't anything that I have told you or anyone else that I have connected with that they didn't already know. Just, hey, I'm just reminding you that this is why you're here and this is what you're here to do. That's why those aha moments are coming is because that seed was already planted within you before you got here. We're just meant to remind and empower each other to really trust in what we're hearing within ourselves and follow that. And my belief is that once we really start trusting that, our purpose just kind of unfolds in front of us. Again, I always tell people like, yes, human design is a great tool, but it's just that. It's just a tool. You know yourself better than anything that could have ever been channeled under the sun because you came here with this information. And that's what Ra actually said. He said, you know, what I'm bringing isn't anything new. I'm just the conduit that is channeling this truth, this universal truth into material form so that we can keep going back to it every time we forget or every time we, we don't remember to really trust ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, your purpose is right there on your chart. It's your incarnation cross and it's all your centers. It's all of your gates, it's all of your planets, and they're telling a story about how each step is going to lead you to unearth your divine destiny. And for some people, it's a thing. It's like an actual activity that they do. And for others, it's just a beingness. It's just simply arriving in the state of beingness and being okay with just being. You know, each of us, we obviously have to like make a living and, and live on this material plane. So it's our job to kind of follow the little breadcrumbs in front of us that will allow us to kind of alchemize our incarnation cross or our destiny into a way that we can sell or barter or exchange our energy in order for us to continue to live these human lives. Like for me, for example, my incarnation cross is called right angle cross of tension. And this incarnation cross is not necessarily about a doing, it's about who I am. I am the kind of person that if I see someone out there that is struggling with getting to a place that they want to be and they don't understand how they can do that, I am there to relieve that tension. And that can come in a myriad of ways. I could be a therapist. I could be a coach. I could be a friend. I could be a mom. I could be a listening ear. You know, it's not just like this one thing that I'm meant to do. And once I realized that, I was like, wow, 
these incarnation crosses are meant to be shared in so many dimensions because we are multidimensional. Why would we choose, you know, an incarnation cross that literally says like, oh, I'm just here to be a teacher and that's it. And, and, I, and I can't touch any other thing that makes me feel lit up. No. You know, if you're here, you know, if, if your angle is left angle of education, you can educate just by standing in line. You know, someone says, oh, what is that thing that you have there? Oh, this thing is a, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right there, you're living your purpose. So I think we get so caught up in kind of like, oh, I want to find my purpose. I want to live my purpose. I want to do my purpose. And trust me, that was my entire life until human design found me is like, my life will be so much better when I find my purpose. I will be making so much money when I find my purpose. Like, I will be happy when, 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 when. And, like, this is not true. It is incorrect. It's the biggest falsity that we've ever been fed is that when something happens, then we become happy. It's like, no, the whole journey is where you find happiness, not just when you arrive at this place of purpose. Oh, yes, I'm just, I have chills. I love that you said that because I feel like that is a lesson that I, have kind of struggled to learn if I'm being totally honest and I'm I'm coming around to it and and starting to understand more about enjoying and finding peace and fulfillment in the journey and not always looking for a destination because I think we've all experienced reaching a destination and then still feeling unfulfilled and then shooting for the next thing and shooting for the next thing it's no way to be no it's not I mean we're all here to simply be that's why we're called human beings and not human doings you know and it we can just lean into just trusting that we are constantly unfolding and expanding like there really is nothing to ever get to because time and this whole experience will just continuously expand so really there's no end to it you know it's just our mind that tells us like oh we have to get to this ending point and when you get to this ending point then you'll get all the things that you know it was meant for you which is it's just the mind that is so helpful in some ways and then so so unhelpful and it's our job to kind of tell it like okay this job is not for you you know i i can handle it Oh, love that. Thank you so much for that. So helpful. I think that's something we can all relate to in one way or another. So Jasmine, for you, I mean, you do wear a lot of hats, right? <laughs> you teach, you're a mother, you're a wife. How do you also take care of you? <sighs> okay. I would probably have to call, you know, wave my white flag and say like, this is not my strong suit. I have a lot, a lot of conditioning around taking care of myself. I grew up with a mom, single mom of four kids. And I don't think I ever saw her take care of herself. I think the images that I often have of her are of breakdowns, of being really tired and just not really being happy fully because she always put herself ahead of others and which is such a commendable thing but I think in very high doses and in, in the doses that I saw it in it really instilled in me that my worth comes from sacrificing myself for others and that's something that I have just really started to see the errors of that way because I had strep a few weeks ago and I hadn't been sick in probably four years. And it was because of that, because I was not taking care of myself. And I just kind of made a promise to myself that like, I really have to just ask for help. I have to ask my husband like, hey, I need five minutes to shower. I need 10 minutes to shower. Or I need 20 minutes so that I can like lovingly lotion my body the way that I would if I didn't have all these things going on. And so for me, it's really just I'm still such an infant in this stage. And 
I think that's why it's so great that like platforms like yours exist because even when we're on Instagram, you know, we see a reminder that says like, okay, you need to take time for yourself. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I do. Like that's for me, that's not a natural thought. I would love for it to be one day that that I really am just understanding that I have to fill my cup up before I can fill others cup. But that's just not the way that it was ingrained in me. And that's a huge deconditioning around self-love and self-worth that I'm constantly uh, working towards. But Ideally, I would see myself like being able to take long baths and candles. I love a lot of like the sensual things, very Korean, like luxury things, massages and facials. Like those things really, really fill me up, like fill my body up because I tend to hold a lot of tension. Again, that's my incarnation cross in my body. I'm holding the tension of my life and also of the people that I that I come into contact with. And I'm just learning grounding practices to really tell myself, okay, that's their problem. And as much as I would love to help, like it's not mine. So a lot of earthing, I've been practicing a lot of earthing, which is just kind of, you know, putting my feet on the bare ground. And that just feels so good for me. It just really grounds me back into my body because I tend to do a lot of like inner vision meditation, which takes me out of my body. And that's how I'm able to get these intuitional hit that can really help and serve others. But I tend to forget about my physical body. So that's something that I'm really, really leaning into this year. I really want to be selfish. I really want to be selfish about my physical body. Mm, So good. Well, first off, I really appreciate just your honesty and transparency in that because I think we're all a work in progress in that area. I think so many of us kind of received that same conditioning where we don't necessarily see examples of the women in our lives really taking care of themselves. And so I really appreciate your honesty there and can so relate to the grounding and I mean, Taurus moon over here. So relatable. (laughs) (laughs) So Jasmine, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. Being balanced. For me, being balanced is when I'm able to catch my breath. Honestly, I feel like I I hold my breath a lot throughout the day, constantly waiting for something like the ball to drop or something good to happen or something bad to happen. But when I'm truly balanced, I'm just breathing. Like my body just feels good. It's just filled with like really yummy, chronic breath. And then in my outer life, when I feel balanced, oh man. I'd probably say when everyone around me is smiling Mm. and laughing and happy, that makes me feel like, one, I don't really have to do anything, which feels so good. (laughs) And then two, that I get to experience the joy of life. Really, like experiencing the joy of life is what balance truly means to me. And I really have to remind myself of that every day because, you know, we wake up and it's like onto the chase. But that breath for me is just my biggest practice has been my breath, coming back home to my breath. My breath lets me know that I'm safe. My breath lets me know that I'm okay. It lets me know that I'm in the right place. It lets me know that I'm balanced. It lets me know that I'm in my purpose. It lets me know that I'm healthy. It lets me know that I'm saying and doing the right things. And whenever I'm holding my breath, that's when I'm not believing in myself. And that's when I truly feel unbalanced. Oh, my goodness. It made me want to take a deep breath just listening. That is absolutely beautiful. And I think think we can really underestimate the power that our breath has 
it's incredible just what pausing and just taking a deep breath can do for how you feel physically, mentally, and being connected to your breath and recognizing those times where you are holding your breath are so important. Yes, yes, completely agree with you, completely. It's like the vehicle. It's just, yeah, it's divine. It's amazing. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for this. I mean, I feel like I learned so much during this conversation. For our listeners who would love to stay in touch with you, for people who want to get in touch with you for a reading, which y'all, I cannot recommend enough, where can they find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Moondust Our Mother. Website is the same moondustarmother.com and yeah you can just find all of my offerings on there i do soul maps and these are a little bit like a navigation tools it's basically your human design chart and i go through each aspect that would really benefit you in knowing and it's uniquely tailored to you and it's this 40 page plus beautifully designed map of your soul and i really created it as a contemplation guide for you to have for many, many moons that you can just always refer back to and just learn from and and dig deep. And then obviously, like you said, um, the soul sessions are really when we're able to dive deep into everything about your soul map and so much more so helpful. I cannot recommend it enough. So we will have all of your information linked in the show notes so that everyone can come find you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Rewind episode of Human Design 101 featuring Jazz of Moon. Head to the show notes to follow her on social, check out her work for more resources to help you learn about human design and why we at Balanced Black Girl love it so much. It is an incredible tool and I hope that it is as helpful for you as it has been for me. Make sure you head to balanceblackworld.com for expanded show notes and blog posts related to all things wellness. And we also have a pretty dope newsletter that I feel like I don't talk about enough. If you go to balanceblackworld.com slash subscribe, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Be among the first to know about uh, new podcast episodes, new blog posts, wellness news and trends, as well as other amazing content that is exclusive to our email subscribers. So I'm out here putting out this newsletter like every week and never talk about it. So make sure you head to balanceblackgirl.com slash subscribe to check it out. I hope you are able to get some rest, some joy, some peace during this season, and I will talk to you soon.